Welcome to Monday through Friday, Cellular Agriculture for the Pandemic Food Future. My name is George Ortega. This is episode number 39. I'm recording it on Sunday, 8, August 30th, 2020 at 9.26 a.m. Eastern Time. And um, I'd like to continue trying to, um, to present this um, this information in, in the most positive way possible, um, rather than moving away from the punishment that um, that apparently we're incurring by um, by farming animals, by treating animals cruelty, let's let's focus instead on how good we can feel and how safe a world we can create by transitioning from that system of growing our meat, fish, dairy, and eggs to cellular agriculture. So again, the idea is that if we spend, let's say $50 billion starting in March of 2021, and um, that's just part of it. Um, you know, that, that allows our researchers to solve the problems that exist so that um, we can have these products in supermarkets potentially in two or three years. You know, just like we fast-tracked um, this vaccine and a couple of vaccines are already out. I mean, they, they didn't go through, um, through um, stage three clinical trials, but nonetheless, I mean, just the process is being streamlined. It's being made as fast as possible. We can do this for cellular agriculture and so it's reasonable to expect that perhaps in three years um, we can have these products in supermarkets. But that's just part of it. Um, the other part is, again, this would be a uh, this would be a project, a, a global initiative, like like we've never had before. Really, I mean, this is like, you know. Sure, once we're done, once we've created this virtually pandemic-free future by, you know, eliminating farming of animals, factory farms, family farms, um, that will be amazing. You know, what, what we will have done will amaze us and, and will inspire us to do more because more needs to be done on climate change and other kinds of, um, other kinds of, um, challenges that, that um, our future holds. But, but I what I want to focus on is um, during this process of, of building the factories, you know, um, and, 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 um, and getting every country on board, you know, that will be an amazing enterprise. I mean, think about it. Right now, our world our country is is divided as if it was a civil war. I mean, Democrats and Republicans, um, you know, it, it's just ruthless. It's 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 basically you know it's like we are in a civil war, and and we're lucky we're not you know. It's not military. I mean, but so so this this common threat of future pandemics. I believe can unite us, you know, and, you know, and sure, there's, there's going to be 
much that that the two major parties disagree on, you know. Um, but to have the two parties, you know, do so much work on this because it, it will require a lot of work. You know, it'll be it will require convincing people. You know, uh, not just a national conversation, but an international conversation that that we have to have to get people to understand how important it is, how imperative it is to end the farming of animals and how, how fortunate we are to have this new technology just created in 2013, just seven years ago, that allows us to continue eating meat and fish and dairy and eggs in a way that um, that's not only far healthier for us, you know, without the saturated fats and cholesterol, but will virtually prevent, prevent pandemics. That's, you know, we will feel so good doing that. I mean, and, and the idea is like, right now there's so much acrimony between the two parties, you know? I mean, and, and Trump, he just like, he feeds that, those, those flames. He just like incites you know, hatred and division and, and violence. And so this would be kind of like just a, an antidote to, to this to this terrible state where, you know our country's in right now because of him and and, and his um his coarse, you know, evil ways really. And so so we, we, we transition from this this time where where our leader just is, is so so demeaning to himself and, and to, to our country, from that to, to a country that now understands that if we're gonna get this done quickly as we need to, we're gonna have to have a lot of discourse, a lot of civil discourse, a lot of, you know, of, of respect for, for people's views on, for example, like farmers, okay? There are gonna be a lot of livestock farmers here in the United States that yes, will we'll, we'll be displaced. Um, this has happened many times before in the history of our country. There used to be, before there were cars, you know, there were many, many horses and, and they, they had, there was a whole industry. There were the blacksmiths, you know, made horseshoes. There were the, the, the um, you know, the saddle makers. There was a whole industry related to horses, you know, the feed mill. And again, when, when, when we transitioned to cars, they, transition to other means of work. And so, yes, we have to do this for the farmers. Um, and actually, since, since these farms are just huge conglomerates, you know, Cargill and, 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 and Tyson and just these, these giant corporations, we're really talking about, you know, getting jobs for the, uh, the workers, you know, who, who are doing the work in, in the, in the um, in the feedlots, in the slaughterhouses, you know, in, in the farms, and so yes, we'll, it's imperative that that you know we don't want them to go to be unemployed. You know, I mean, you know, so we'll create jobs, and we need to create so many jobs anyhow to deal with climate change effectively as as best we can. So so that'll be a great part of it. I mean, like it's not like there are going to be major losers in this. Um, and, and, you know, even, even with the giant corporations, um, there's nothing preventing them from transitioning, from investing 
in, in, in building these, these new factories, you know, not just in this country, but throughout the world. Um, so so think, of, think of how good it will feel to do this. Think how, of how, you know, it, again, it, it, we, would have, we would be having a national dialogue here explaining to everyone that this is something, this is kind of like, you know, if you want to get into science fiction, this is kind of like the Martians coming. You know, imagine some science fiction film where like, you know, we're invaded by aliens and, and uh, 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 an earth, a global population who's, who's been at war with each other, you know, you know, who just like is fighting for this or whatever, unites against its con common enemy. This is the kind of um, scenario we're, we're describing where we come together, all of us, we, we basically put aside our differences you know, for the sake of this goal that, that benefits everyone, that, it, that must involve everyone. Again, the other part of this is it's not just the rich countries that need to do this. You know, that every country in the world, regardless of how poor they are, needs to uh, end the farming of animals. Otherwise, you know, I've, I've said this before, otherwise, because there's so much airline travel, 4 billion passenger flights each year, then um, you have a, an outbreak in a very poor country turns into an epidemic and, and a person from that country, you know, travels to another country and all of a sudden, you know, that outbreak becomes a pandemic. So, so again, this is something that, that would involve every country in the world, and, and, and we're lucky that we have the United Nations, because the United Nations is already structured, already set up to uh, facilitate this kind of effort, this kind of collaboration. Um, imagine how that will feel, you know, um, to, to be doing something so grand, you know, that, that, that requires so much cooperation. And again, it's something that, that we don't really have a choice about. Let, let me just, you know, spend a little time with this. Um, these pandemics, as I showed you recently, are getting more and more frequent. You know, the, um, again, because of a um, larger population, more, more airline travel, more deforestation, there, there are various reasons. But these pandemics are getting more prevalent. They're, they're, we're having more of them, many more of them per, per decade than, than in the past. And uh, there is no other way to be safe from pandemics but to make this transition. You know, that's the reality. I mean, ultimately, eventually, in 10, 20, 30, 40 years, not anytime soon, we will have vaccines, hopefully, that are universal, that will apply to, to, let's say, this coronavirus, and will apply to it even if it mutates, becomes different, because that's what these viruses do. You know, we develop um, a vaccine, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden the vaccine is no longer effective because the virus will have mutated. The same thing's happening with bacteria. Our antibiotics are becoming less effective. So, so again, that's the key understanding we have to keep in mind. There is no other way to be safe from pandemics than ending the farming of animals. 
you know, and, and, and that, that, you know, that's the major industry that needs to end. I think would probably be wise to end other, like certain kinds of zoos where, you know, any, any, any situation, even, even laboratory experiments that are often not necessary anymore because of our technology. Anytime you have humans in contact with either domesticated or wild animals, you know, and wild animals sometimes have access to these, that, um, you know, you're, you're um, there, there's a risk, you know, that, that that's not a safe kind of environment. So, um, and again, you know, you, you don't want to ignore the religious moral component of this. You know, the idea is that, um, for example, there may be a way to keep, let's say, monkeys and, and, and rodents, you know, in, in, um, in cages, in zoos, in, in, in such a way that they don't have access, that, that, you know, a bat can't infect them or, or that, you know, they're relatively um, sanitary conditions. So, so those circumstances may not create uh, a pandemic. But, you know, again, uh, you have to understand that, that this is, you know, I'm, I'm talking to the 80 or 90% of you here in the United States who um, believe in God or higher power. You have to understand that, you know, to the extent that we're cruel, that we imprison these animals, you know, we put in prison their offspring, offspring and their offspring, and just, it's mind-numbingly cruel and archaic, and it's something that we should end. So, you know, our world stops being so cruel, understands, just like we understood that slavery was an abominable institution, that slavery should never have existed to begin with. Um, we, we now understand that um, this farming of animals, because it's so cruel, and I've, I've gone through this before, uh, the way they treat the animals. You know, chick, um, chicks, they, they get their beaks cut off without anesthesia, and their, their beaks have nerve endings there that are very sensitive. They're extremely sensitive because their beaks are used, you know, that's how they navigate their world. Pigs, you know, get their, their, their um, tails clipped off. You know, I, I don't know if they're still branding cows, but they've done that for, for decades, you know, um, without anesthesia. It's horrible. That's just part of it. And, you know, it's the way they're kept for month after month. Pigs, you know, in, in stalls so small, they can't turn around. I mean, literally. And, and then there's some states like California that's banned that, and, and or, uh, European countries that have banned these gestation crates. So, you know, these, these pigs have maybe a few feet to walk um, e in either direction, but that's, that's insanely cruel also. So, so again, from a practical perspective, we absolutely have to transition from the farming of animals and also from a religious perspective because it is so cruel. Uh, and also, like, you know, apply this to ideally to the zoos and, and laboratories so that we're not mistreating animals anywhere anymore. That, um, you know, sometimes we are not so kind to ourselves and each other. Um, there's a lot of poor people on the planet, um, close to 10 million children under five die every year from largely 
preventable poverty-related causes. You know, this lack of medicine, lack of proper nutrition, lack of clean water. And, um, and it, see, if we see this optimistically, we can see that by tackling this cruelty of animals, in the process of doing that, we are awakening our appreciation of life. We're sanctifying life. We're, we're expressing our knowledge that, that life is sacred and, and valuable and, and, and that it's not just about life, it's about, you know, a good life, that, that, that we all deserve good lives. And so, so as, we, um, as we move to, to, to end this farming and do it swiftly, you know, again, starting in, in March, investing $50 billion, literally, no, no, not, not over five, 10 years, $50 billion that gets, you know, channeled to the researchers, to, to building the, the, um, the, the factories, to, to the engineers, to the biologists, the chemists, this industry. You know, many, many of these people who will be hired will be young kids who, you know, uh, sometimes there, there are not enough jobs for, for um, people who, who have, let's say, a, a bachelor's in di uh, biology or something. They usually perhaps need a master's or a doctorate to get uh, a decent job. Well, now these jobs, you know, can become much more available because we'll have the resources. And again, because we'll be investing so much money, you know, in this, and it's not like, you know, we've just spent already two or three trillion dollars on this coronavirus and we're expected to spend about eight. So, so it's not like we haven't been spending this money before. And in 2008, we spent a lot of money and we uh, basically repaired our economy. So right now we're spending trillions of dollars to repair our economy. So, so we, you know, investing $50 billion is, is consummately doable. You know, it's, there's no reason we can't do it, and there's no reason we can't do it quickly. Just like we, we um, quickly um, dispersed the uh, the stimulus checks, you know, and and the extended unemployment benefits. So, um, so yeah, we get this done quickly, and 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 this inspires the brightest minds in the sciences to get involved in this. You know, a lot of times. For example, our, our brightest mathematicians are hired by Wall Street, you know, to make money, which, you know, that may serve some good purposes, but, you know, it may not. You know, they may be investing in industries, for example, like fossil fuels that are actually creating a, a major problem for us. So, again, to, to have the resources to channel our brightest minds coming out of college, you know, to, to this industry, to this the civilization saving industry, that would be major. Imagine how, but you know, imagine how it would feel, you know, to be doing something so good. You know, in, in, our, in our media, in our news, we are constantly getting reports of people doing things that are evil, that are cruel, that are wrong. And, uh, you know, many of our novels or just have people killing each other or trying to kill each other and all you know our 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 culture our global culture especially in the in the rich countries 
has an epidemic of of fictionalized a lot of times um you know cruelty and fictionalized um lack of sanctity for life and in, in addition to like you know our media loves to um to make us aware of every tragedy every catastrophe every you know um, major loss of life i mean it's kind of but you know we don't it you know our mindset is so skewed toward that you know um and this is wrong this is wrong because like yes these things are happening and yes we need to address them just like we need to address this pandemic but so much good happens throughout the world every day so many people are doing so much good and that you know gets left out and so this this project this this way of of collaborating you know the entire world to do this good i think has to just um awaken our, our better natures our, our consciences you know this has to just put us in touch with, with what's most important you know our civilization you know i mean again uh, i don't i don't this this episode and hopefully future ones are going to be more and more about you know what a wonderful world we can create by ending this farming but you know the other the other part of this is uh, that if we don't do this really the civilization that we have may not last i mean we could lose billions of people with with one i mean there's seven and a half billion people on the planet you know we could lose so many people um through a, a pandemic that, that can't be controlled and this isn't just speculation um according to dr michael gregor the cdc is, is citing this this new virus h7n2 or something i forget what designation it has but the 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 greatest threat that they see the next pandemic they see they predict will have a 40% death rate as opposed to let's this coronavirus has a 2 or 3% maybe even 1% death rate and, and look at the, the the havoc it is wreaking on on our economies on our, you know society so so you know we need to keep in mind um why we're doing this you know that that we're 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 giving our children and grandchildren and great grandchildren the kind of life we were given you know that this you know a vibrant economy um you know a world where where you know year after year we're making progress with 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 poverty and there's no reason to expect that by 2040 for example or even 2030 we can eliminate poverty on the on the planet and this could be part of it for example in a lot of these very poor countries they don't have the economies they don't have the infrastructure they don't have the factories well in order to to create these foods all over the world now they can have them you know they don't have to import these these you know these foods from other countries some some countries you know for example have to import most of their meat and dairy because they don't have the the um the land to grow it you know they're they're relying on on other countries foreign countries for their basic needs you know this would create a system where every country in the world is is growing their own meat fish and dairy and you know and because of that is overcoming the nutrition problems that that plague so many of them 
So, so it's important to keep that in mind. It's important to keep in mind how, how powerful this initiative can be at, um, at developing our world. You know, there's certainly there, there, some of us, our countries are, you know, uh, we're highly developed, the United States, other, but some of them are just like, you know, they're extremely poor, you know, especially in Africa. And, and this could be the way, you know, perhaps the beginning or perhaps it could, you know, solve so much of what, what needs to be done. This could be a way of getting those countries to, um, to develop, to, to just industrialize. Um, naturally, we're going to have to um, appeal to countries that have dictatorships, you know, that, that um, this has to be done, of course, to the United Nations. There has to be, I guess, a, a global kind of institutional um, intergovernmental peer pressure where, where, you know, countries are just not allowed to opt out, you know, just by, by the rest of the countries in the world. And, and that, you know, just that part of this initiative, I think, would be wonderful. You know, um, this, this pandemic is, is forcing us to do the right thing by ending the farming of animals. So if, it, if it forces us to, um, to right many of the other wrongs, you know, that, that still exist in the world, you know, that, that's something that we can, we can absolutely look forward to. You know, we, you know, in other words, if we need the cooperation of every country in the world and uh, the way to obtain that um, cooperation is to ensure that all the countries of the world have leaders, whether they be dictators or, or democratically elected, who are responsibly addressing the needs of the pandemic, then we can certainly compel these same leaders to, with, 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 with equal, equal um, importance, equal sincerity and, and, and equal dedication, you know, address the, uh, the other problems, um, you know, economic development, uh, education, uh, resource problems of, of the developing countries, the underdeveloped countries. All right, well, again, let's, let's start thinking about it in these terms. Now, yes, I will probably return to, um, to how dangerous you know, this situation is going into the future. I'll, I'll share that screen that, that shows the number of, of, of epidemics throughout the, the centuries, the millennia, and, and you can see very clearly how we really do have a serious problem. Um, all right, well, got about a minute left. Again, um, watch this every Monday through Friday on White Plains Community Media, channel 76 if you get Optimum 45, you get Verizon. And if you get Verizon, again, if you live in, in Tarrytown, Scarsdale, Ardsley, um, Irvington, there, there's many communities around White Plains where Verizon also shows this program on Channel 45. You can also um, see the episodes on YouTube and with your, with your cell phone, with your smartphone, and just download the Spotify app. Or if you have an Apple, just iTunes, just subscribe to the podcast. This, there's an audio version of these episodes on there, on, on various podcast um, platforms. So, all right, I hope you're having a, a good 
uh, Monday and let's continue to talk about this. And I think we should probably start to talk about how to inject this into politics. There's an election coming up and we need to do this. Okay, thanks for watching.